Welcome to the Future Charlotte Podcast, where we talk to the people who are shaping the future of our city. I'm your host, Eli Portillo. Today, we're going to be talking with the developer behind an apartment project that's gotten a lot of buzz lately. The joinery is Charlotte's first parking-free apartment building, located along the Blue Line, and it could be a template for how development proceeds in denser parts of our city. But Charlotte is still largely an auto-dependent town, so it's going to be an interesting test case. Let's jump in. Tell me about yourself, tell me about your background, and tell me about your company. So my name is Harrison Tucker. I'm the founder and CEO of Spacecraft. Spacecraft is a real estate development company focused on building walkable neighborhoods. We have located our uh, first market in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is my hometown. I was born and raised there, uh, went to Behringer for elementary school and Marie G. Davis for middle school and Myers Park for high school and, and went off to UNC where I studied economics and philosophy. Um, I had the chance to work for a construction company in Charlotte uh, in the summer. Uh, I got my real estate broker's license in college and I interned with Center City Partners when I was in high school and I got hooked on real estate and started to make a career of it. Tell me a little bit about your new project, The Joinery. You know, it's gotten a lot of uh, publicity as uh, the first car-free or uh, no parking on-site apartment development, uh, but give me kind of the, the rundown of what the project is, what makes it different, and what sets it apart. Sure. So it's an 83-unit uh, apartment building with about 1,900 square feet of ground floor retail that faces the light rail. It's about a block from the Parkwood Station over in Optimus Park Mill District. And what we were able to do really uh, due to Charlotte's progressive zoning uh, in the TOD ordinance was we were able to build housing instead of parking. And so we used the full site to build housing. Uh, there's three... Uh, parking spots tucked underneath the building uh, for the 83 units, and those will be uh, used for car share. So residents will be able to go downstairs and hit a button on their phone and jump in a Tesla for daily and hourly rates and, uh, you know, take care of their Costco run or, or go up to the mountains for the weekend. Uh, and, you know, I think the reason it's really meaningful for the city is, and for the residents who will who will be part of this uh, community is, you know, we were able to take some of the dollars that would have otherwise been invested in parking structures of which Charlotte has plenty of and put it back into the unit finishes and the design of the project. So you'll, you'll notice that, you know, we have no hardy board on the exterior facades uh, on either the street facing facades on 22nd or, or North Brevard. Uh, it's all metal panel or tile. You know, we have no vinyl windows on the project. We have um, glass showers and tile surrounds and quartz countertops um, in, in the units. Um, you know, tech is, uh, has been a focus for us uh, as, you know, want to deliver a, a 21st century product. And so there's managed Wi-Fi in the building and uh, smart access uh, via latch and smart thermostats. Um, uh, and there'll be a resident app where folks can access other members of the community and, and have maintenance requests and, and pay the rent. So um, we're excited about the, uh, the project. Um, and really, it was enabled by um, Charlotte's sort of progressive TOD 
zoning codes and and we hope that the city continues to lean into to uh no parking just like uh raleigh just recently passed themselves yeah i saw they uh eliminated um their parking minimums and um you know, there's been a lot of discussion about that in Charlotte as well, and um, specifically whether we need more of that uh, or a more aggressive approach to uh, eliminating minimums or even putting in maximums in higher density areas. Um, if you were to build this project, you know, out in the burbs or in a more conventional way, how many parking spaces would you be looking at uh, somewhere around maybe 120, something like that? Or what would that look like? So we're, we're focused on infill development and um, true urban living. So, you know, that's not going to be a project that Spacecraft is, is going to jump into. But I think the convention is typically 1.5 stalls per unit, two stalls per unit, something somewhere in that range. But as you suggest, I think it should really be location-based. I mean, this is, the joinery is one block from from the light rail station. It's one block from the Cross Charlotte Trail that goes through Cordelia Park. And, you know, I think it should be left up to the the folks who are uh, living and working in these buildings and the developers who are building them as to whether they need parking to meet the demands of whatever it is they're building. Um, you know, some of the, the way I really kind of taking a step back the best cities in the world, uh, if you go to, you know, neighborhoods in, in Brooklyn or Northwest DC or Paris or Copenhagen, London, um, you know, they, the parking and the number of parking spots per unit is not a metric that anyone is focused on. It's really what is the ground floor experience? How, how many neighborhood amenities can you access within a 10 or 15 minute walk of your place? And, you know, I think for Charlotte, um, that should be the focus too. You know, what, what does it feel like to walk around um, certain neighborhoods in Charlotte? And, and how do we have design an experience where people can live a truly urban lifestyle in Charlotte, which is not to say that the suburbs are going away anytime soon. Um, that should always be an option for folks. And, and there's plenty of great suburban living in, in Charlotte. Um, and I, I hope that persists. But you know, giving folks the option to live a truly urban lifestyle, I think, is what needs some more optionality in the Charlotte market. And um, we hope we can contribute to that. And for residents um, who are coming to the joinery and, you know, they're coming from somewhere else, they already have a car. Um, how does that work? Do you have off-site parking that um, they can arrange or, you know, are they on their own with that? What What's the system there? Yeah, they, we, we welcome folks who have a car uh, to live at the joinery. Uh, we have a couple of options. One is uh, with a, a memorandum of understanding with preferred parking uh, for a couple of decks that are a light rail stop away. Uh, so they can store their car offsite, uh, which I expect some folks uh, will do or, you know, folks who are living in South End are doing at their, their office uh, parking garage uptown. Uh, so we think that'll be a good option for folks. Uh, obviously, there's uh, there's a lot of street parking on the Brevard side of the rail. Um, you know, on on the north side of the line, uh, the rail is sort of one sided there, and so there's a long row of street parking um, uh, along Brevard, and um, that's a pretty typical way for people in most large American cities to park their car uh, on the street and then walk up to their unit. Uh, and in some ways, it's more of a pleasant experience than looping up into a parking deck uh, for you know, five or 10 minutes every day. 
and then you know obviously we really like bikes and biking culture we we hope uh, folks embrace that as a, a mode of transportation in, in the joinery and and then the car share as we've already covered and i'll just make one comment uh, uh just about how the world has changed with regards to transportation i mean it used to be every time you needed a roll of toilet paper you had to jump into your car and 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 run to the to the store to to, to pick up you know a packet and and now toilet paper and food and couches all have very sophisticated delivery systems that will get it to your door at the right time that you want it. There's telemedicine and fitness uh, remote. There's work from home uh, and all the remote software that support that. Um, and so a lot of the sort of day-to-day -day utility trips that you might've taken uh, have been uh, supplemented or replaced in today's, you know, technology world. And so we think that folks are getting smart about that. And one way to really to pad your monthly budget is to, to pay for transit on demand rather than pay for a car that, that sits in a, in a lot 90% of the time. Uh, you can use Lyft and Uber, uh, the light rail. Uh, you can bike to your, your daily um, you know, neighborhood needs. Um, and so we, we think that's a great way for folks to operate in this modern world. And from a, a development point of view, um, you mentioned not having to spend the money on building, you know, all those parking spaces. Um, even I think one thing people don't realize is even surface parking is really expensive, both because it costs money to build and reduces the amount of actual um, developable land that you have. What does it look like economically? And are you able to uh, pass any of those savings along to tenants in the form of yeah, rent? Certainly. That's, and that's our goal. Um, we want to, you know, it's somewhere between 20 and $40,000 per parking stall for a structured parking stall. And, you know, the other thing that happens is you see this with some of the apartment buildings going up around town is the parking deck takes up a lot of land. And when you're building parking on that land, you can't build housing on that land. And so um, we were able to put some of the savings back into the unit finishes to deliver a really great uh, product. And secondarily, we, we put pay it past some of those savings along to the residents themselves. So our rent rates are, are very competitive for a class A new apartment uh, in our submarket. And uh, we think folks uh, a subset of folks in the in the Charlotte market will make that trade off and say, "I'll I'll take a, a really high quality unit um, that doesn't have a, a dedicated structured parking stall on site, uh, and I, I'll take the savings in the form of rent." And um, I think, kind of broadly for the city of Charlotte, that's a great strategy as a way to encourage um, more affordable housing. And certainly, you know, it doesn't work in every location, but you know, Charlotte has made investments in transit. And uh, I think now we're starting to see with the confluence of technologies that I mentioned, um, you know, the real ability to live car free in Charlotte as, as uh, more and more amenities have kind of um, coagulated along the, the light rail nodes. Um, so to your, to your question, yes, we, we pass uh, some of the savings back to the, the renters. And um, do you have any sense of how much that is? You know, is it a significant amount? Uh, our our rent rates are, are public uh, on the on the website, and uh, I'm sure um, 
uh, we, we invite people to go check them out and, and uh, determine for themselves whether they think it's a, a, a sufficient d- discount or not. And one thing that you hear a lot when people are talking about uh, the surge of apartments in Charlotte, you know, in neighborhoods like Noda, Optimus Park, uh, as well as South End, Dilworth, lots of places that are getting denser is people often say like, man, these all look the same. They look like um, they're not the best quality. And I'm thinking if you take, you know, 20,000 to 40,000 in cost savings, from parking and apply a lot of that to finishes, the exterior of the building, as you mentioned, uh, that could change some of that dynamic if you've got higher quality uh, product. Do you think that that might be part of, I don't know, the broader nimbyism in Charlotte, where people kind of have a lot of times knee-jerk reactions to projects that make things denser? Uh, I think I think that's uh, certainly part of the, the dynamic of NIMBYism is, um, you know, some developers really care about what they're, the product they're putting out into the world and um, are, are pretty careful about um, their design uh, intents. And, and sometimes developers really are squeezed, you know, by the economics of what they're trying to do and where they're trying to do it. And they don't have a ton of choice on, on the aesthetics. Um, but having Flexibility on parking would allow uh, developers the ability to um, make make different decisions. And um, certainly, our our firm is really focused uh, on design, and we're design design forward developer. And and so we hope that's evident in the products that we we bring to market. And um, we hope uh, others uh, will continue to lean into that too. I, I think uh, I, I love. I love architecture and I'm a Charlotte native Charlottean. And uh, I, my hope too, is that as the, as the city grows, uh, you know, the, the architecture will get better and better. Um, and I think we've seen some of that in the, in the South end announcements. Um, so I, that, that's exciting for the city. And, you know, when I was a, a reporter at the observer, I talked to developers about, um, you know, these same issues. And a lot of times they would have a line that went something like, I would love to build less parking, but finance the guys financing it, or they want to see me have the same average as the market. You know, lenders aren't comfortable with doing a project that has uh, less parking or uh, no dedicated parking. Uh, did you find that to be the case? And and how have you um, dealt with that question of of making this make financial sense and and getting the project uh, financed? Yeah, sure. I think the demand is rising as. Uh, more and more projects like the joinery um, come online. Demand from from the investor side, um, you know, there's groups like Cul-de-Sac who are out there, um, kind of cutting the same uh, waves that that we are in terms of low parking ratios in traditionally more suburban markets. And um, I think there there is and has been hesitation on the on the part of um, investors to do something that feels out of the norm, but uh, yet, you know, there's a way to, with the cost savings that you gain and kind of the new state of technology in the world, you know, Lyft and Uber and all the delivery services that we uh, named, plus the investment in transit that Charlotte's made, there's certainly a case there, uh, even if just on a blunt economic uh, case for uh, developing in this fashion. And um, I think if other developers took a peek at it, they'd, they'd, um, 
find that that the math is is compelling. You know, for us, moreover, we're we're we think it's a tool that enables great ground floor activation and and good design, as we've talked about, uh, and and as a way to offer something differentiated to um, the apartment renter market and the, the Charlotte market at large. So, um, yeah, I think I think the investors will continue to uh, come around as as some of these. Um, concepts like ours are proven out. And, um, you know, on your website, you have um, a lot about the need to develop in a more uh, urban pattern, the need to drive less. Um, there was one quote that really caught my mind, or I'm sorry, there was one quote that really caught my eye, which was, um, as our economy has grown, we've degraded our natural environment. In the process of powering civilization, we polluted the air, acidified the oceans, tainted freshwater, eroded topsoil, hunted, lar- hunted large mammals into marginality, and otherwise diminished biodiversity. These actions have resulted in shifting weather patterns, extended hot seasons, more frequent hurricanes and tornadoes, coastal flooding, increased intensity of wildfires. Um, I think there's not a lot of uh, developers and development company sites I've seen that really make those kind of explicit and compelling ties to the way our development patterns have impacted the greater, uh, the greater world and really, you know, um, show the big picture of why we might need more, why we need more urban development. Uh, where'd this, where'd this passion come from for you? And, and how did you, um, I don't know, how'd you come to this, uh, brand of development? Sure. Well, I appreciate you raising that. Uh, it's something we don't get to talk about uh, as much as we'd like. Uh, my dad is a, a big outdoorsman, and I grew up in the scouts uh, scouting program, and we went camping, you know, once a month from when I was little to when I was a teenager. And driving out, um, you know, from uh, our house, uh, sort of near uptown in Charlotte, um, out to the mountains, you know, you would see. Uh, new suburban development forest raised for track homes and, and shopping centers. And, um, you know, it's really great that those homes were created for people to live in them. Uh, and, you know, I grew up in a single family home myself, but it, you sort of realize that there's a limit to that logic and that we as a society rely on uh, all the, the resources and the biodiversity um, that, the land surrounding our cities uh, uh, is a is a habitat for, and so, you know, you can't. One possible future for Charlotte is sort of the LA, LA model, where Charlotte to Asheville becomes one large metropolis, and all the mountains that we all grew up loving are are paved over and converted into single family home developments. Uh, I hope that's not the case. Another path for uh, a city like Charlotte is to invest in transit, uh, invest in creating really amazing livable density, uh, the same kinds that all, a lot of Charlotteans um, travel to places that have that density, London, Paris, um, Barcelona. And, and we can create that density in Charlotte and at the same time preserve our farmlands and mountain ranges uh, so that they can either be, you know, productive for human society, or they can continue to be a habitat for the biodiversity that uh, has supported human species for a long time. Um, so infill development is is critical. Transit-oriented development is critical. 
uh, biking infrastructure is critical. And, you know, how do we, how do we develop our city in a way in which people can, can live a lower carbon lifestyle to help uh, eventually mitigate the, the impacts of, of climate change and, and frankly, live in a really joyous way. I mean, it's, it's a great lifestyle to, to live in a walkable neighborhood uh, that has lots of amenities and, and livable density. And so we think the future of uh, Charlotte becoming, you know, one of the great cities of the world uh, is more appealing than, uh, you know, having the, the farmlands and, and uh, mountain ranges be paved over. And I think that um, the way you've approached this kind of paints an interesting picture, which is a lot of times people see development as the bad thing, you know, something that they need to stop. And I think this, you know, dynamic has become really evident in in states like uh, California. Uh, but if we're going to keep growing and changing and retrofitting a lot of places to become uh, more urban, more resilient, less car dependent, you know, you can't really stop development and do that and accomplish that. So you've got a model of development that is, I think, positive and sees development as part of the solution. Uh, not, you know, this, this problem that we need to stop and halt all development forever, because that will just push it farther out to other more sprawling places. That's exactly right. Um, I think development can be a, a force for good. You know, sustainability is about physics, right? It's like, how, how do you manage the materiality of um, society? How do you manage the energy that flows, the water, the utilities that underrun? Uh, all of our buildings that supply our homes. And, you know, if you can, building infill development, for example, is much more efficient for um, sewer, water, electrical infrastructure. Uh, it's more efficient for transit and roads. Uh, it's more efficient for biking infrastructure and public transit. And um, those are the physical assets that underlie our society. And, um, you know, I think developing in a smart way means that we can be more resource efficient, uh, but at the same time, create a really joyful environment and pleasant way of life. And we like to think about our work as, as being net positive. And we certainly operate in a lot of constraints and uh, we're certainly not, not perfect by any means. Uh, we're learning lots as we go. So um, we hope to improve every project cycle and and build something a little bit more beautiful, a little bit more sustainable. And uh, so that's our, that's our goal as a company. I think um, development can be framed that way. And it's not, it's not often, often framed that way. Uh, you know, I think there's um, developers who have, there, there are some really good developers out there who, who uh, think positively about their impact on society. And we hope to, to be among them. So uh, what other projects do you have uh, coming up? Uh, anything else in the works? And um what uh, and also, where can people go to find out more about uh, the joinery and spacecraft? So, the joinerycharlotte.com uh, is the website for our latest building, and Charlotte is spelled out. Uh, spacecraft.city is our company website, and uh, we have we will have some more projects, um, but I'm, I want to make sure I'm uh, talking to you more frequently, and we'll be sure to. Uh, to jump back on the phone when those uh, when those come to light, um, uh, 
we we're, we're still focused on the Charlotte market um, exclusively at this point, but we'd like to grow to, to other cities. Um, you know, our, our baseline thesis is that uh, walkable neighborhoods are highly valuable and highly valued by the people that live in them. And um, a lot of cities like Charlotte that are experiencing economic and job growth, um, but have been more in a suburban development pattern uh, could use walkable neighborhoods. And uh, so we're gonna focus on markets uh, that have a similar profile to Charlotte uh, as we grow. And one final question here, if you could change anything about Charlotte, built environment, regulations, the city as it stands, whatever it might be, uh, what would you change and why? No parking minimums is up there. Um, you know, that allows folks the flexibility to figure out when and where they need parking. Um, and, um, you know, a close second to me would be biking infrastructure. You know, if you, if you really want uh, folks, to give folks a safe alternative means of transportation and electric bikes are really incredible, especially for a hot weather city like Charlotte, uh, you got to give folks a protected um, pathway to travel. And uh, so park, no parking minimum and uh, greater bike infrastructure is what I would advocate for. Those are both pretty good. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, congratulations on getting to the finish line with your, with your new project. Well, thanks so much, Eli. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us on the Future Charlotte podcast, produced by me, Eli Portillo, at the UNC Charlotte Urban Institute. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you like the show, please rate it, share it with your friends, and keep looking to the future, Charlotte.